This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. You got your Bibles? Everybody out there too? Grab them. We're going to go to the book of Hebrews. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. We are going to be in Genesis in just a few minutes, but we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. I should say, I said heroes, but really it is a book of heroes too. If you read chapter 11, which we're going to read from, now chapter 10 gives you like a hall of fame. Chapter 11 certainly is a hall of fame. And we're going to talk again tonight about the authority and the superpower in words. Everybody say the superpower in words. I believe tonight, please don't, please don't watch a little bit of this and cut it off. Now, if you can sit for a football game for three hours, if you can sit for a concert for three hours, if you can watch and binge a series all weekend, surely to goodness, you can give me 45 minutes of your attention. Amen. Because I believe this is one of the most important messages you will ever hear in your life. I believe it's life changing. I really believe that. Amen. Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. We are eager and we are, we are ready to receive from heaven, Lord. We thank you that it's life changing. We are grateful, Father, despite all of the chaos going on in our world today, we have the freedom to stand in this room in a public forum and proclaim the word of God, of which we will not take for granted. And we humble ourselves and we thank you for it, Father, and we praise you for it. We give you an honor and glory for salvation, deliverance, and healings in Jesus' name. Everybody shout it in here and out there, real loud. One more time, I want to hear the people on loud too. Yeah, I can hear it coming in. Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, one from the King James Version. First of all, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I, I want you to just, I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I've got, I got to cover some old ground. I'm going to need your help for the first 20 minutes, especially. I'm going to need you to lock in with me because we're going to go over some ground, but it'll be important. I want you to notice the first word in Hebrews 11 is the word now because if you don't have faith right now, it doesn't matter that you had faith last week. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if you had faith even 10 years ago. I'm, I'm telling you, you need faith right now. The reason you're in this room, the reason you're watching it now is God is trying to give you faith for what you're going through right now. Now, faith is a substance of hope for the evidence of things I've seen. By, for by it, the elders obtained a good report and through faith we understand, I always love that phrase, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic, which I've done before, but stick with me. Verse 1, by faith we understand that the worlds, Amplified Classic says, the worlds during these successive ages. We have no idea how old the universe or the galaxy, I mean, just whatever you would call it, the expanse, we have no idea. We know God has always been, and, and I know our brains can't wrap around that, but we don't know. But it says, faith has always been important through all these successive ages. Faith had to be present. And notice this, by faith we understand the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So I wanted to give you again this little list of what faith does. Faith frames or builds, faith builds things, frames. Then it says put in order, so faith organizes things, right? Faith frames things or builds things. Faith will help you build something. Faith will help you put things in order. When Now, I would use the generic term of faith when I... When I develop faith in God for salvation. You know, the first thing that happened after I got born again, I realized how out of order my life had been before that. And I immediately began to reorganize my life and reprioritize my life. My faith 
helped me get my life in order. Amen. Amen. So by faith, they were framed, fashioned, uh, which the word fashion would be designed. So designed and then organized or put in order and then equipped. And I put the word anointed for their intended purpose. So here's what faith does. It helps you build, design, organize, and be anointed for the purpose you have. But notice all of these things that we see, including all the worlds, it says they were made by something that you could not see. It wasn't that God took something over here and made something. They were made by the word of God. And we know from reading Genesis 1, which we'll read briefly again in a minute, that he's talking about the spoken word. That everything was made by words. Everything. And that's where faith and words make their connection. Now, so, um, so we're talking about the superpower of words. Go back quickly to Genesis 1. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I have to burn through these first few minutes. It's really important to build us to a place so that we can get all of this tonight. I want you to get this. I want everybody out there to get this. I don't want you just to get the information. I don't want you to just get the revelation. I want it to cause a transformation. I want this word to become so alive that it rises to the level of importance that you, you make it supersede anything going on and you begin to make changes. I want that to happen for everyone watching and everyone in here tonight. Then God said in Genesis 1.26 from the New Living Translation, let us, that's Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make a man, someone like ourselves. These next two words are small, but they're important. Let us make a man, someone like ourselves to be. So here's the purpose. What, God's about to make a man. What's he going to make a man for? Why is he going to make a man? The Bible says to be, so this is the purpose, to be the master of all life on the earth. How much life? All. all life on the earth and in the skies and in the seas. So God made man like his master. That word like there means it's like a reflection. It's like a mirror. It's a likeness. Okay? In other words, if you were to see God and see what he made, there really there wouldn't be much, wouldn't be any difference really. Are you hearing me? So like God, did God make man, man and made, did he make them? And God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That word subdue means to rule over or have authority over. Means to have complete control. Subdue it. You are masters of the fish and birds and all the animals. Can you say amen? amen. Now, how many of you saw my Facebook post for tonight's uh, service? You saw my little thing talking about church tonight. Or maybe you got uh, a text or something. And did you see where I had on there the little caption talking about the service night? I put this little caption on there. You've had the power all the time, my dear. How many of you know what that came from? How many of you know where that slogan came from? It came from the Wizard of Oz. Now, not often in my sermon will you ever hear me quote the Wizard of Oz unless I talk about courage. 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 You won't, you won't hear me quote from the Wizard. You certainly will not ever probably ever again hear me quote from Glinda the Good Witch. But this quote, I chose it on purpose because if you'll remember, Dorothy's quest from the very beginning was she just wanted to go home. But she went on this journey and she went before the wizard and she got attacked and she went through all these things. And finally, Glinda, the, the good witch, had to say, my dear, you've had the power the whole time. It was right there. Like every woman knows, it was in the shoes. Amen. Right? So the reason I chose that caption tonight is if you have been defeated, if you have been sick, if you have been broke, if you have been hurt, you have had the power the whole time, my dear, to change your life. You've had the power the whole time you were going through hell to change your life, my dear. 
through the superpower of your words. And of course, you didn't know it. Or I didn't know it. Think about when we were going through all of that mess, if we would have just had the revelation to know I can change every single stinking bit of this if I'll just change my words, it won't be long and this thing will change. You've had the power the whole time, my dear. Say that to your neighbor right now. Point at him. Be bossy. Be a little bossy at him. Amen. Some of you guys know what I'm... You, you already get that anyway. All right, so... Amen. So then we realize that God set up the entire kingdom all the way through the Bible, all the way into the, into the New Testament. He set up the entire kingdom based on the seed principle that we won't go into tonight, that we've studied very carefully from Mark chapter 4. I realize Pastor David spoke about it a little bit last night. But the whole kingdom is set up on the seed principle. And we found out that words are seeds. And because of that, you have to be careful what you plant. Because what you plant will eventually yield you a harvest. Amen. All right. So now let's go quickly to uh, Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I read this last week, but I'm, if you'll just give me a little bit more time to get through these refreshing scriptures, there's a reason that I'm bringing them up to get us to the next place tonight. Because again, I want this to transform your life. So Matthew 8, 5 through 10 from the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, God's trying to teach her something because that's what God does with sickness. You know, it's really, for people who preach that doctrine, I don't know what verses they use for it. You got to be careful what you listen to. That is, of course, not what he said. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, now see, we've got we've to get to the point where we get, we get promoted in this thing about words and we got to get up to the next level. We, we, we need to get to the level of this officer right here. Amen. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. New Living Translation. Read it to you last week. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. If I say to the slaves uh, to come, they do what I tell them to do. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turned to those who were following him and he said, I tell you the truth, I've not seen any faith like this in all of Israel. And I want you to notice again what I pointed out last week that, that, Jesus, that uh, this officer said to Jesus, just say the word from where you are. Amen. Now, I don't know what kind of mess you're out, you're in tonight if you're online. I don't know what kind of mess you've gotten yourself into in your life today, but you're going to have to start saying the word from where you are right now. Amen. You, you, you can't afford to go another day. See, the, the point of this message is to, to not let you go another day saying the same thing you've been saying. The whole point is to get you to start saying right now from where you are, things are about to change in my life. Can you shout amen? Well, you know, cancer runs in the family and you know, uh, you know, and, and poverty runs in the family and ignorance runs in the family. You got to stop that. You got to start saying, let me tell you something. Healing runs in the family. Woo! Prosperity runs in the family. My God, I overcome. Victory runs in the family. My, I know I'm about, it's just running in the family. Next time somebody says something runs in the family, so let, you, let me tell you what runs in my family. Long life, praise God. Health runs in my family. Peace runs in my family. Joy runs in my family. Prosperity runs in my family. My God, victory runs in my family. Now, if they know some of your family members, they're going to think you're lying. But see, they don't understand. You're saying something from where you are. Can you shout amen? Now, Proverbs 30, 32, I gave this to you last week. If you've done foolishly in exalting yourself or if you've thought evil, lay your hand on your mouth. Everybody go like this. 
We have got to learn how to stop saying things that we should not say. We have got to learn that lesson. We have got to grow up to the place where we do not allow our emotions to promote words to come out of our mouths because most of the time they will not be life-giving. Amen. Well, you know, if I think it, I've just got to say it. And that's why you're in a mess. If you're out there today, okay, I'm, I'm just going to ask you this. How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Because I'm going to tell you most of the time, it's not working out good. Well, you know, if I think it, I'm going to say it. Well, you go right ahead because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, in other words, it sounds like you really love doing that. Well, they that love it, the Bible says, will eat the fruit of it. Can you shout amen? Now, Psalm 141, verse 3 from the Amplified Classic said, A guard, O Lord, before my mouth. Everyone say my mouth. Keep a watch at the door of my lips. So we read that last week. Now, we're going to buzz through again and read quickly. I, I, I just, it won't take me but just a little while longer to get us into the other things. But I, I wanted to get this back into you tonight. Mark 5, 21 through 42, Amplified Classic. When Jesus had recrossed in the boat to the other side, a great throng gathered about him. He was at the lake shore. One of the rulers of the synagogue came up, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he prostrated himself at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. Now, this is a different level of faith. In this particular instance, Jairus doesn't quite have that level where he could just say where he was, but he does believe if Jesus comes that the little girl will be healed. He is operating in faith. It's a different level. Listen, we're all on different levels. See, my job as your pastor, even if you're at this level, is to at least get you to this level. And if I can get you to this level, I'm going to work to get you to this level. And if I can get you to this level to get you here, that's my job to help you raise the level of your faith. Amen. Amen. So notice this, and so Jesus went with him, and a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as almost to suffocate him. We gave an illustration of that last week. It was pretty intense. Verse 25, and there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but instead grew worse. She had heard that reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garments. We talked about what an incredible effort this must have taken for this woman who had to have been very weak. But she pressed in Amen. to touch his garment. For And here's verse 28 in the Amplified Classic. For she kept saying. Now remember last week we talked about saying only. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't spew out of uh, You know, I'm so weak and I'm so tired. I hope I can touch him. I tell you what, these people are just, I just, they don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what I've been through. I've been going through this for 12 years. Don't they care? Can't they see what I'm, wreck I am? Don't they even care? She didn't say that trash. See, a lot of times we think by stating our, our condition and, and all, you know, what you're really looking for is pity. You don't need pity. You need a miracle. Now, if I can have the choice to have your pity or to have a miracle, I'll take a miracle every time. Some people, I watch them on Facebook, man, I, and I love people. I love people. But I watch them on Facebook, and they never post anything unless, well, you know, my head's killing me, and I've just had this thing, and this nasal thing's been going on for seven days. And, I mean, they go on and on and on and on and on and on, and, I, and then I see them again in three days. This thing just keeps on. I'm like, of course it does, because you keep on saying it. This woman, we don't have a record here that she ever stated anything, but she kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. Are you hearing me? And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the, at the source. Everyone say the source. Now ultimately what we want to do is nip the source of these reoccurring problems in our life, we want to nip those things in the bud. I mean, I don't mind praying for people. I will pray for you every service, and I'm not judging you. Please don't think that or you won't ever come up here. But I, 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 sometimes I'm confused by the same person, people, always being here for the same thing. If that would have happened back in the days of Smith Wigglesworth and some of them, you know what they would do if they prayed for you one night and prayed for you by faith? If you came up the next night, they would turn you around and kick you in the seat of the pants. Say, get back there. I prayed for you yesterday. 
Now get in faith. Now in our modern church, if you do that, somebody get offended and everybody get mad. I can't believe the pastor, you know, kicked him in the butt, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, that's the way it would be in the modern day church, you know. We got to, we got we to, gotta, you know, we got to go the extra mile, you know. And I don't say that to really ridicule anyone, but, I, but I'm saying you've got, to, you've got to get beyond that a little bit. You've got to take hold. This woman took hold of her miracle before it even happened. Notice this. And immediately her flow of blood was dried up at the source and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. Jesus, recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd, noticed this, and said, who touched my clothes? Now, isn't it interesting? He didn't say, who touched me? He said, who touched my clothes? He said, man, there's somebody out there a minute ago. They touched my clothes. Now, everybody had been touching his clothes. But this woman's words caused a connection. And the minute that she reached out and touched just the hem of his gar- gar- garment, something happened. She got healed on the site. Can you say amen? And the disciples kept saying to him, you see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides. You ask who touched me. Still, he kept looking around to see who had done this. But the woman, knowing what he had done for her, though alarmed and frightening and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth and said to her, and he said to her, daughter, your, your faith. Everyone say your faith. Okay. Now, where did her faith come from? Now, she had to get there. It's true. Some of it was action. But where did it really come from? She kept saying, and she kept saying, and she kept saying. You know, Mark eleven twenty three 23 is an amazing scripture because it gives us a really critical thing. More, now, I'm going to say that it's going to shock you. I'm a praying man. You all got prayed for this morning. Everybody out there online, believe it or not, you got prayed for this morning. I pray all. I, but let me just tell you this. I'm going to say something that's shocking. There's a lot of times in our life we're praying when we should be saying because a lot of you, the longer you stay in prayer, you go from being positive to negative. And you, your prayers go from being uplifting to being complaining. Now, don't shout me down because I'm... All right, I'm going to get back to Mark 11, 23 and 24 and prove this to you. Now, I want you to count how many times I say, say or saying in this verse. Verily I say unto you. Or he's saying to the mountain. Or I say, or he says, he says, very if you say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things that you saith shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. How many times did the word say come up in that verse? How many? Three times to move a mountain, to move a mountain, three times. Verse 24. Verily, what things soever you desire when you pray. How many times are you going to hear the word pray in this verse? Verily I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. How many times do you hear the word pray? How many times do you hear the word say? So once you've prayed, you need to say what you believe at least three times as much as you pray. But what most people do, when I was in, I prayed all day long. They think by coming in, well, I went to a prayer meeting the other night. Honey, it doesn't matter what you pray. It really matters what you say when you leave that prayer meeting. You can get in there all night and do the, the holy hop and the chicken and everything else. But if you go out that door and you start spewing out negativity, all that praying is not going to matter about anything. Let me smile when I say that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So then he told her, he said, daughter, your faith, your trust and confidence in me springing from faith in God has restored you to health. Go in. Go in into peace. I love this in the Amplified Classic. And be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. In other words, he said, I want you, don't ever, you, you found out how to get well. Keep doing what you did and you'll stay well. Keep saying the right thing and you'll stay well. Keep proclaiming that you're well and you'll be well. I've seen people also come to the altar, get healed. I mean, honest to God, get healed on the spot. But because when they left the door, they got right back into their negativity. Within a week or two, they were right back in it again. Uh And then people judge the church, judge the pastor. Well, he laid hands on her and she died. 
Well, okay, but I mean, you know, the part that, that the minister did was do what God said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Did you know 90% of whether you're going to get well or not is not on me and it's not on God? If you come up here and it's like, okay, do something. Well, you might as well forget it. When you walk, when I would, listen to me, I would never come to an altar and ask for prayer to get help healed, delivered, and then walk out the door and start spewing out. Yeah, this thing's still killing me. I tell you what, I'm, I'm probably going to get that operation. I tell you what, dear God, I think it's growing. Anybody home in this Lutheran gathering tonight? Amen. Martin Luther was a Lutheran. Amen. All right, now, so let's read a little bit more. But while he was still speaking, we talked about this last week. Remember, there was a much more urgent thing going on when this all started. A man named Jairus, his, uh, notice he was talking about his daughter. He was about to die. His daughter's about to die. And time was expedient. And now this woman has taken up some time of Jesus. We talked about it last week. And while he was still speaking, there came some from the ruler's house who said to Jairus, your daughter has died why bother and distress the teacher any further? They said, you know what? Uh, about 10 or 15 minutes ago, probably you're messing around here with this one. Your daughter, his daughter died. Now, I love the next part. I love the next part in that fly classic. I love this in verse 36. Overhearing, talking about Jesus. I told you this last week. Overhearing but ignoring what they said. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only, everyone say only, only. Only keep on believing. And you know what? Sometimes we have to ignore what other people are saying. We have, to, we have to ignore what they are saying. We have to ignore what they are proclaiming. We have to ignore what they're spewing out. Listen, they don't have the authority to speak what's going to happen in my life unless I receive their words and put them in myself and meditate on them and then I begin to speak them out of my mouth. I don't want to hear, now listen, I'm going to be kind of brutal for a minute, but I'm going to do it to try to give you a little bit to wake you up a little. I know a lot of us were raised in homes where we were put down and ridiculed and our parents didn't support us and they told us that we were stupid and we were losers or maybe you went through a bad relationship and they tossed you to the side and they told you you were garbage and you were trash. But let me tell you something, those words have zero authority unless you let them get inside of you, you start meditating on them and eventually you let them come out of your mouth. Those words mean nothing. And that's better than I got a grunt from right there. Amen. Sometimes you have to ignore what people said. Pastor Ginger and I, two weeks from today is our 38th anniversary. And when we announced that we were getting married, there were people in the family who started making bets. They won't be married for six months. And we heard it. They won't be married. He's marrying her on the rebound. Trash like that. They said that stuff, and we heard it. Well, let me tell you something. By that time, we already knew some of this right here. And I said, I don't care what they say. They have zero authority over my life. I serve the living God. I am standing on God's word. I thank God that when we get married, it'll be like heaven on earth, and it'll last the lifetime that we have left on this earth, and we'll do what God's called us to do. And here we are 38 years later living the life. Can you shout amen? He told him, don't be alarmed, keep on believing. And he permitted no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother James. When they arrived at the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he looked carefully with the understanding and, the, and he saw the tumult and the people weeping and wailing loudly. They already, all the neighbors had gathered around and they were having a big wailing party about the death of this child. Amen. And when he had gone in, he said to them, why do you make an uproar and weep? The little girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed and jeered at him. And that's what they're going to do 
for you when you start saying, I'm an overcomer. When you start saying, I'm healed and your nose is running, they're going to laugh at you. They're going to jeer at you. When you say, I'm blessed and your car backfires and it needs a boost, they're going to laugh at you. They're going to jeer at you. But they don't understand that something's working that they can't see and you have the power to project your future. They can't tell you what tomorrow's going to be like. You have the right to choose your words. Can you shout amen? Hmm. But he put them all out and that's what we got to do. He just put all them out. <laughs> he put them all out and taking the child's father and mother who were with him. And we talked about last week, this is where the connection of authority comes in. You moms and dads have authority over your children. I talked to my son last night. It's his birthday today, by the way. Our son, our son turned 45 today. That's our son. Turned 45 years old today. And I talked to him online and, and he's like, you know, dad, I know I've been a screw up and I've done this, that, and other, you know. And I said, well, you don't have to tell me. I was there, praise God, <laughs> you know. But you know what he told me? I, my grandson, my grandson, Aiden, may be watching. I, I didn't know this. My little grandson, who's about to turn 14 here, his birthday's two weeks from yesterday. We got all kinds of birthdays and anniversaries this month. And I didn't know what about... I got up from preaching two weeks ago on Friday morning and I got a message from my little grandson, my messenger. He said, good job preaching last night, Grandpa. I thought, my God, I didn't even know we ever even watched. That was pretty cool. And then I was talking to my son last night and he said, oh yeah, he's become religious, Dad. He's going to church on Wednesday nights. And he said, I, listen, I remember everything you taught. I may not be living at all, but I remember it and I'm trying to help him out. And I said, of course, because I have authority. You might be 45 some, but I still got a certain amount of authority in your life. I'm telling you, you pray over your children. Don't you let the devil, you, don't you let the world, don't you let other family members tell you that your kids are no good, no count, losers. Don't ever accept what they tell you about your children. Don't ever accept it. No matter what kind of history they've had. Praise God, hallelujah, thank Jesus, amen. Man. All right, so then gripping her, the little girl by the hand, he went in where the girl was lying. He said to her, Talitha Kumai, which translated as little girl, I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. Instantly, the little girl, and instantly the girl got up and started walking around, for she was 12 years old, and they were utterly astonished and overcome with amazement. And really, this whole thing was triggered by words. Now, all, one other point to make here before we move into the other things I want to get you into because I have maybe 20 minutes left is that I want you to see how when you get the words right, you can bring things that people have pronounced dead back to life. I want to say that again. When you get your words right, you can bring things that other people have pronounced dead in your life back to life. I'm going to say that again because that ought to cause everybody in here to shout and everybody on live ought to be typing hearts and all kinds of crazy stuff right now. I'm telling you, when you get your words right, things that other people have pronounced dead in your life will come back to life. How do I know that? Because I have lived it. I have lived it when I hit the bottom, when I hit that wall at 21 and a half, 22 years of age, and I was left with absolutely nothing, and everybody around me, everybody mocked, everybody said he's done. Everybody said, man, he's young, and he's already out of the game, and he'll never recover from this. But I had something going on that they didn't see. No, I didn't have money at that time. No, I didn't have an education at, time, at that time. No, I didn't even have a church to preach at at that time. No, it looked like I had nothing at that time. But I did have the power, the superpower, and the authority of words. And I began to use my words the right way. And God began to help me put my life back together. And what looked like was dead came to life again. Hallelujah. Whatever's died in your life that you know shouldn't have died. And, I, and in this case, it was an extremity. I realize this is a human being and very few of us are ever going to be able to use words to this level just because we won't put in the work to get there. There's a reason why we don't see a lot of people raised from the dead because my God, we can't even confess that we're going to get our bills paid without getting negative over it. 
See, I just shot down one of your little thoughts in the head right there. Well, if this is so powerful, how come we, everybody you pray for doesn't get well? Well, let me tell you why. Because they walk out that door and they get negative. But it's showing you that the, uh, this thing can go to the level that it can literally raise a dead human being. Now, whether we ever get there or not, my God, we can at least get some of the dead stuff of our life that they said would never happen. We can get it to come to life again if we'll just get our words right. Can you shout amen? I'm spitting all over my stuff up here, man. Amen. Say this with me. Healing runs in our family. Prosperity runs in our family. Joy runs in our family. Long life runs in our family. Kids serving God runs in our family. Woo! Victory runs in our family. Don't you ever say anything else. Don't, 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 don't yield your mouth to that other junk and that other trash. I spit all over my Bible up here. Praise God. Now I'm going to show you something that's critical that I haven't talked about before. Go to St. John chapter 1. Oh, I'm so glad. Those of you that stayed online, you sure don't want to leave now, man. We, we, we got the bases loaded now. We're going to swing for the fence. Praise God. How do you think Jesus say man? John, St. John chapter 1 verse 19. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They were trying to get him, they saw what he was doing, and they, you know, he said, I'm not the Christ. Remember the question was, who are you? And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you that prophet? He, said, he answered, no. Now this is the biggie. Then said they unto him, Who are you? Again, they asked him, that we may give an answer to them that sent us, What sayest thou of thyself? Now he went on to say, I'm the one that came to make a way in the wilderness. In other words, because that's what Jesus said about him. He only declared what Jesus said about him. He didn't say anything else. So what I'm asking you is, what are you saying about you? What sayest thou about thyself? What are you saying about you? Are you saying I'm weak, I'm ugly, I just broke, and I always don't, I never get the raise, and you know, my kids just won't straighten up, and I just can't sleep at night, and I just worry about everything, and I'm just a mess, and every time I get on a plane, I think I'm going to die, and when I'm on a car, I think somebody's going to hit us. I mean, what are you saying? Who are you? What are you saying about yourself? It is a legitimate question. What are you saying? Everyone online, like, what are you, because think, and listen, here's what I've learned. If you're ever going to make a change or ever going to rise to another level with God, you have got to come clean. You cannot con God. He, he beholds the good and the bad. He, the Bible says his ears are open to everything. Don't sit there and try to tell God that you think you're, when you send all this other trash, it's time, it's time to go ahead and make a, the Bible says, make a fair show in the flesh. In other words, it's time to confess what we are, then get it to the side and never say it again. And then when it says, what are you saying about yourself? I'm saying I am blessed. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. If I show up somewhere, I don't even have to try, but suddenly I become the head because I am certainly never the tail. I am absolutely above. I am never beneath. I, everything I put my hand to do, it will prosper. My God, if an enemy, and I don't even know, tries to come against me, he gets splattered in seven different directions. My God. I live long on the earth. I live out all of my days. I fulfilled every purpose and plan that God has for me. I am blessed and I am a blessing everywhere I go. The anointing of God is on me. No evil shall befall me. No coronavirus, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. What are you saying about you? 
I can't, even if I say the right thing about you, it will not have the effect that what you say about you has. See, that's where people miss it. They think the pastor can lay their hands on them and just erase all. I can't erase the stuff you say when you're not here. That's your part. My part's to show it to you in the Word for you to make the change, for you to put it in play, for you to Im implement it and put it in your life. Can you shout amen? Now, uh, Job chapter 8. Now, if you, if we're not going to go into, oh man, just, there's a million things you could say when you get over the book of Job. But Job was, once, once the attacks started and the attacks came from the devil, we've established that, we know that, they did not come from God. But, but Job was sort of all over the map. And that's why it took about 37 chapters before things, 38, 39 chapters before Job's faith ever changed. He had to get his words right. And I don't mean, he would, he would be in and out. He'd say something good and right, and then he'd kind of, he'd go back over here. And he'd get, get into negativity. But here in Job 8, this is Bildad. This is supposedly one of his quote-unquote friends. Then answered Bildad the Shuhite. And here's what he said to him. How long... And this is a question for all of us tonight. How long will you speak these things? Because Job had become negative. How long will you speak these things? And how long shall the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? And that's a question tonight. How long are we going to keep on saying this same thing and getting the same result and scratching our head because we don't understand why we're getting the same result? And yet it's pretty obvious because we're saying the same thing. Can you say amen? amen. Psalms 119. Uh, no, we won't go there. We read it earlier, but it is talking about... No, we will read there. Though this is really good. Let's do go there. Psalms 119, verses 13 and 14. This is really good. This is a good point here. Psalm 119, verses 13 and 14. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. You probably don't have it, so you need to listen to this because it's really good out of the message. It says, Be blessed, God... Train me in your ways of wise living. Next verse, 14. Listen to this. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. So folks, we need to make a transfer tonight. Amen. We need to transfer everything that God said about us and not just leave it on the paper, not just carry around the Bible. This Bible has, has got success and victory and healing and life and peace and joy, but we've got to get it out. We've got to transfer it from the page and the way you transfer it is by putting it in your mouth. That's when the transfer is complete, when it gets off the page and it gets in your mouth. It's not just enough to have this Bible. It was never meant to just be on the page. God wanted us to use it as a book of words so that we would use the power and authority and we could transfer what he said about us from the, from the page to our lips. And when we do that, we're going to see the manifestation. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen? Job 21. You're right back over there. Just another book forward again, of course. Job 21, verse 5, Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand upon your mouth. Now, these are still things about our mouth again. I want to I keep emphasizing the criticalness of what is coming out of our mouth. Lay your hand upon your mouth. It's saying it again. Please, everybody out there and everybody in here, please, please get to the point where when you say something that you, I mean, how many of you want to be broke? Let me just see how many of you are really eager to be broke. How many of you in here are really eager to be just real, real sick? You're just really, you've been hoping that you get real, real sick. How many of you in here are just hoping that you'll be completely deserted and nobody on planet earth will ever care about you the rest of your life? Then why are we saying it? And the minute that junk tries to boil up in you, you got to go... He said, lay your hand on your mouth. We read it in the other passage. Job 40... Forward here just a little bit. Job 40. We're all in the King James now. Verse 4. Behold, Job answered the Lord. I mean, God is really taking him to task if you read the other chapters leading up to this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. In other words, I've been wrong. Lord, I've been wrong about a lot of things. What shall I answer you? And here's what he said. Job said, I will lay my hand on my mouth. 
Job said, I've been saying a lot of really wrong things. I've been making a lot of wrong statements. I've even been talking bad about you, God. And now I realize, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm shutting up. Sometimes before you can get the right words in your mouth, you're going to have to quit. You just got to shut your mouth for a while. Shut to your mouth. Job 6, go back again. Verse 25, this is a powerful scripture. It even uses the word here. Job 6, verse 25. Let's go to verse 24 actually. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Now, listen to that. So what, what my job is as a pastor is to teach you so you will hold your tongue. Amen. Notice this. And cause me to understand wherein I've erred. Again, that's the purpose for the preacher. All these people think they don't need a preacher. They don't, I can just read the Bible for myself. You know what? Of course, you've got a brain. I hope you can read. But you know what? God uses anointed men and women to, to assimilate this word. Amen. Now, notice this. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I've erred. Look at verse 25. How forcible our right words. Oh, that's what we want to get to. So we want to hold our tongue when we're saying something that we've erred in. But then he says, how forcible are right words. So that words, right words have force behind them. Right words have authority behind them, we could say, or power. Can you shout amen? amen. Everyone, look at your neighbor and say this. Say, may the force be with you. Say it to your other neighbor. May the force be with you. Okay, what is the force? Because you have what? The superpower of words. Amen. Job 32. I just thought we'd hang out in Job for a while. There's so many illustrations in here and we're almost done. Stick with me. Job 32. Verse 11. What a great, great scripture. Behold... I waited for your words. Now that's what we've got to do. When you're under pressure, when you're, when you're in a storm, when your emotions are wanting to take over and you're about to say something dumb, we need to learn to wait for the right words. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons while you searched out what to say. Uh, and, you know, this is a, a person talking to a person. With this, this could be us with God. God helping us. You know, I'm not going to just say anything. I want to make sure, I want to hear what you have to say before I say what I'm going to say. Amen? All right. Uh, Daniel chapter 10. We have one more passage here. Can we do it? Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. If that will help you find it. It's after the book of Ezekiel. So here we are in chapter 10. I'm only using my left hand. I am, I am deadly with my left hand in a Bible. I can find things quickly. Daniel chapter 10, we're going to read from the King James Version, verses 11 and 12. This is Daniel's vision of the last days. It lines up, some of it lines up perfectly, by the way, with the book of Revelation. But Daniel's had this vision, and in this vision, uh, there's this appearance, and it says here in verse 11, And he said unto me, this is like an appearance of an angel, uh, and he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you and stand upright, for unto you am I now sent. And when he had spoken the word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, because Daniel was the one person in this kingdom that was talking right and talking to God. He was the one person. Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before God. Now that is a really powerful statement right there. Chasten yourself before God. Your words were heard and I have come for your words. So this appearance of this angel or this one sin of God says that something's happened here in, the, in this vision that you've had. And I know there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty going on around you, even in this place that you're at now. But, but here's what's happened. God's taken notice of a couple of things. Number one, you've chastened yourself. In other, in other words, when you've been out of line, you've noticed you're out of line, and you're not making an excuse for being out of line. 
Now, we've been doing the, the, the series on correction on Sunday mornings, and I'm telling you, you try to correct anybody nowadays, man, and I'm telling you what, I mean, some of them come back with guns and try to shoot you. Amen. Now, let me read it as we close from the Amplified Classic, because you know how much I love this. I'm going to read uh, verse 12 from the Amplified Classic. And, and I want you to hear this again. Then said he, he said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind and heart to understand and to humble yourself. It's a way of chastening yourself. Chastening yourself, uh, part of it is humbling yourself. You know, like, God, I, I'm wrong. I, I, you know, I need help. I, I, I got some stuff that needs help here. And to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now, notice this was an agent from heaven. And I have come as a consequence of and in response to your words. So it literally said heaven, you got the attention of heaven because of your words and now you're getting the response. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you if we will just start saying what God says about us, we will get the attention of heaven and God will respond. And if you start saying what the Bible says, that you are blessed, that you are happy, that you are an overcomer, that you are well, that you are healed, God will respond from heaven and God will help you to walk in it while you're on the earth because of the superpower of words. Can you shout amen? been listening to the outreach.fm podcast with your host pastor william luffman we hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show we enjoyed bringing it to you we'll be back soon but in the meantime reach out online find our website at faithoutreach.org the streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com get an inspirational shot at a dose of hope.com you've been listening to outreach.fm and remember no matter what the weather may seem like in your life the sun's going to shine again